The Sour Hour is meant for the serious brewer. The Sour Hour may contain some seriously funkified content. The Sour Hour is not for the faint of heart. So exercise some damn discretion, would you please? Sheesh. And now, here's the Sour Hour with Jay Goodwin. that time again back on the sour hour on the brewing networks i'm your host i said networks i think i'm your host jay uh, the beer the, the beer network military that's scott hey scott Hi. from the brewing network studios in downtown concord bevo's in the house too Hi. there Hi, she Bevo. is up at back it's been a while it's <laughs> nice to see you Bev. Yeah, <laughs> poor girl. Thanks a lot, you Top weirdo. Notch content. You're hearing more laughs in the background, not because we're funnier, but it's because my staff is in the house. Hey, it's the Rare Barrel Crew. Give yourselves a hand, boys. We'll get to them in just a second. They've got lots of beers. They came here nice and early, so hopefully they'll be ready to to chat because they've already had three beers, two two beers, three beers, two two. One and a half. All right. So, yeah, we do have the Rear Barrel crew on tonight's show. Those who can make it today, we're real thankful. So we can get to some beer, sour beer questions. We'll taste some Rear Barrel beers and just get some updates on what's been going on at the brewery. Uh, let's see. No, we're not doing phones. I really need to update this. Yeah. Uh, join, join. <laughs> Are we doing chat? I think you wrote it in 2014 and basically haven't For changed sure. it since. For sure. Uh, chat? Yeah? Absolutely no? not. Absolutely not. <laughs> Email us uh, some feedback or your questions, Scott at the com, Jay at the com. Do we still do email? Email? Sure, yeah. Oh, okay. It's like the one way yes? we communicate. Oh, sweet. Uh, watch us. We're doing that right now. Bevo's working hard on that. com slash TV. You can listen live on the Brewing Network app. Just search BN Mobile. Please, please subscribe and leave feedback on Apple Podcasts or wherever you can find. Are we on... Uh, the other things now that yeah, we're doing Stitcher the new and stuff, yeah, Stitcher, mm-hmm. Spotify, yes, yeah, just go- maybe just Google it, Bing it, yeah, Google, Bing it, and we do have a fresh review of the week. <laughs> just real quick for the confused staffers without headphones in the room. That, that oh, did they not play, get right? to hear that? Oh, right. they didn't get to hear yeah, it. Hold on, we got to do a little again. jingle. We yeah. just did. Review of the week. Review of the week. Okay. Yeah, it's a short one. It is titled Way Better Than the Session, Five Stars. It's from Sour D100. All he says is a must listen, and then he's got the little cheers emoji. Cool. Boom. That was it. That was our review of the week from Way Better Than the Session. Thanks, Way Better Than the Session. We appreciate it. That was Review of the Week. Uh, what else, Scott? I think that's, let's see, last show we did a Q&A show, so go check that out. What else is new? 
Uh, well, the Brewing Network Studios headquarters just celebrated its fifth anniversary a yeah. couple of days ago. That was awesome. Uh, good times. Five years is like the uh, sort of what everyone tells you is the benchmark for, okay, you might actually have something like that's, you know, feasible here. Mm-hmm. So we've crossed that threshold officially uh, with sales plummeting, of course, but we yeah. did cross that <laughs> threshold. Uh, and so we also we had a, a fantastic uh, collaboration with you fine peeps. HR mm-hmm. Nightmare, I have a bottle of it in my hand. And the, the one I'm holding in my hand, the beer is awesome, by the way, is signed all over the label. Who is That's this for? Cool. Did somebody ask for this? Or did we just, like, we're just doing it? Isn't that your stuff? Uh, it's a, yeah, it's a lot of uh, um, Brewing Network Studios headquarters staff mm-hmm. that have signed this. And I, I'm assuming it's in here because they wanted you to sign it. Did you sign it? I'm happy to. Yeah, yeah let's go. Cool. Let's. There's a Sharpie in front of you and everything. Cool. This is. Should we do? Let's Knock it out. Do yeah, right Jay's going to sign the bottle on the air. And if you if you wouldn't mind, can you re- cast some silence for that? Yeah, I heard that. That was good. That was good. Uh, could you read the description? Blended by an army of friends after much discussion, arm wrestling, and profanity, HR Nightmare is an explosion of blackberry flavor with notes of lemon. This beer was fermented with a mixed culture, saison strain, and blended with barrels of golden sour beer conditioned on blackberries. The celebratory blend showcases a high acid profile from Brof... How, how does that spelled? Both fruit <laughs> and base beer. It was awesome. It HR really, it, it really came out great. Uh, the label looks awesome, and the beer is fantastic. And it was our, it was an uh, an honor to have a beer uh, that came out this good made with you guys. So thanks for doing that for us. Sure, it was really I cool. Probably did about one yeah, percent. Thank that. you guys, all of you guys. Yes, yeah, so really, I'm really addressing it to you all for sure. Same topic. Yeah, we made uh, Scott's. Wedding blend mm-hmm. this past weekend came which, in and packaged again, I did, it. Yeah, I did almost none of the work. These guys <laughs> really did everything, set up and breakdown. So that was fun. But Danica came in and Scott and I bottled the beer. It was awesome. And I, you know, I I, would, I kept getting asked like how to come out, and I was like, I don't know. I didn't I didn't try it. Yeah, I had to add the yeast. <laughs> you know, I mean, you know, I tried the beer at eight, and I was like, this is good. Asked them to come in at ten, so we added I added the yeast and sugar. I was like, you guys can try it now, but I mean. You guys know how the beer kind of tastes after adding fresh yeast and sugar. It's like, ah, eh, it needs, needs some more time now. <laughs> that, and that was also uh, a, a huge honor to uh, be able to do that with you. And the the favors we're going to be able to give to people. I'm super proud of that. I can't wait to see what it not only tastes like in you know a few months, but what it tastes like in a few years as it is, it is built to age. Yeah. And we had a kind of a snafu on the bottling line, which is kind of funny. I've never, I've never, oh, worked, a, never worked a bottling line before. But Jay's like, yeah, it'll be super easy. You know, I'm, I'm on the taking the things off the line and throwing them pitching. into the cage, pitching. There you go. And and, you know, Jay's feeding the bottles, bottles into the, mm-hmm. what is there a word for that? That Eating, seems like pitching, too. Pitching, that's pitching. Okay. Yeah. So we're all pitching. No, you're, and, you're catching. Um, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's like my personal life. And at a certain point, the part where the sort of conveyor belt connects to the part yeah. where the bottles are coming off, all of a sudden it, it popped off. It separated. Mm-hmm. And then like a bunch of bottles fell on the ground. We we're like, whoa, whoa. So you hit the red button. You shut it down. And it, like, it turned out. Didn't it, hit the red button, by the way. I just pushed off. <laughs> I'm painting a picture here, you know. There is a red button, though. That would have been a pain in the ass for you. So the, uh, it turned out like a, a, a zip tie, a very professional zip tied setup, uh, holding the thing together, had, had broken apart. And you're Which like, I had never seen come off. You're like, whoa. And you've been operating this bottling line for years, right? Me personally, yeah. Yeah. And you're like, I've never seen this before. It's really weird. I can't believe it broke. So yeah. you proceed to then uh, redo the zip ties. We, we connect it together. You, you hit the green button. I don't know. You fire the thing. You, you fire the thing back up yep. immediately pops off again mm-hmm. you're like what 
you've never seen it, and I'm it happened twice Scott immediately. Fault. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Never yeah. happened before. Happens two times. It yeah. Seems weird. I'll tell you guys off the air what it was. What, what happened? happened? Yeah, it's not that interesting, but <laughs> <laughs> but it, it was cool. And uh, yeah, I did uh, did a little label illustration. I can't wait to see the the final product. I'm super yeah, it's stoked. Going to be a lot of fun. So thanks again for that. That that's just a, a huge honor. I really appreciate it a lot. Absolutely. All right. What do you think? Should we get to? A, should we tease out a question and then go to break and then come back and get some beers? Uh, well, yes, but I can we do like a, a synopsis? I want to hear from you. I want to hear from like who everybody is, who's mm-hmm. returning, who's new, and like you know what the latest from your guys' perspective is at the brewery. Let's do before that. we get to Let's questions. Do uh, a quick intro, yeah. and then one like one thing you're excited that's going on maybe since the last time. So let's go around and introduce yourself, say what you do at the brewery, and just something you're excited about, starting on my left. My name is Greg. I am the newest member of both the tap room and the production side of the house. So that being said, it's my first time here, and what an honor it is. And I'm excited about being here. I'm excited to be part of both the teams. Welcome, man. I don't know a whole lot about the whole process. I'm hoping to learn um, everything that's entailed. And just yeah, excited to be here. Thanks. We're happy to have you, dude. Uh, Brandon, you're next. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> In case um, you couldn't see that coming. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. So my name's Brandon. I've been with the Rare Barrel for a year and a half. So this is the second time I'm here. Uh, what I'm excited about, can I say this on air, our brew house? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Not hooked uh, up yet, though. Not hooked up. Um, but may see it in the near future. So really excited to see how that's going to kind of grow us as a company and uh all the fun new things we can do with uh having control over our wart did we talk about that on the on the last show i can't remember i don't think we did we found a 15 barrel steam fired system from a brewery in northern california i don't know if they want us to mention them so i'll just say that penny chillers (laughs) no (laughs) um yeah it was a good score and so we've been thinking about you know getting our brew house set up for a while and, uh, yeah, as Brandon mentioned, this might take us a little while to get it set up, but we kind of couldn't let the deal pass us by, essentially. It was for less than half than we budgeted for this equipment, but there's still a long way to go. So. You got a plum and electrical and, and whatnot? Mm-hmm. But uh, we're actively working on that part of it. Um, and the nice part is we can still work with our work production partners to keep the the brewery going you know it's not there's not a rush except for we we do want to get it set up you know kind of just as soon as possible and this was not something you i mean it was something you always had in mind but you were just waiting for the right sort of deal or setup and it just took however long it took for it to come along and this was the one yeah essentially yeah all right next uh hi i'm rachel um i've been in production for a year as of this friday i think welcome welcome to the one Uh, torn my soul apart i'm now jaded and angry no (laughs) 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 yeah i'm excited um to not have food poisoning this time the sour hours uh, around and yeah that's pretty much it nothing else is happening in my life (laughs) (laughs) is that why you couldn't you weren't here last time because you had food poisoning yeah and i didn't i was so new i didn't know you're you could just text tommy and be like i'm sick so i went to work to demonstrate that i was sick (laughs) and then he was like what are you doing here i still don't believe her yeah (laughs) (laughs) miller um i'm miller i do sales and marketing at the rare barrel my coordinator not the main person i mean i don't know it's been fun promoting the hr nightmare beer and promoting all of our new stuff and cans and all that um getting more people excited through social media and yeah 
given that cans are a new thing for you guys, give me your um, elevator pitch approach for how you've marketed it. Um, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how to explain it, really. I'm just, I just create the stuff, I guess. I just, I don't even know if it like it, it's effective and people like the stuff that we're creating and producing, but I think it's cool and I think everyone at the brewery likes it. And there's no, like, really strategy behind it, but other <laughs> than creating... <laughs> Fun, creative stuff. You can tell Miller was prepared. Yeah, to totally. Mike no. Just now, no, I'm, she's doing a great job. If you've seen uh, differences in our social media lately, especially, uh, you know, she's a big part of that. And I've gotten feedback just from people coming up, just like, dude, what? You, someone new is doing your social media. Now. It's just like, it's, yeah. are you the brains behind this? Like, uh, you know, with Jay Badlews and the news broadcast and that sort of stuff. She's doing the KTRBs, the weekend. Yeah, updates. those are so good. You might know her from Miller does the munchies. Miller has the munchies. Got got <laughs> munchies. <laughs> Miller and the munchies. Um, no, but I saw that video, and that's when I was like, we need to do more stuff like this that was great the j bad loose and all that up in everyone's face i love that i love that yeah. those are really good all right tommy um, you helped me film those but that's not what you normally do no uh my name is tommy i'm the uh seller manager at the rare barrel this is round four for me i think the first time i was here i was like two days into being a production yeah. assistant or something like that yep. yeah uh what i'm most excited about is being in the middle of fruit season which uh, i'm sure everyone here loves uh, to be a part of as well but uh <laughs> Yeah, that's what I like a lot is fruit. So, yeah. all right, and finally, I um, I'm Rob. Uh, You're up on that. <laughs> I'm, I, no, that's good. I'm deep enough. Uh, Are we doing the Aussie accent thing again? Is that no, what just happened? Why didn't you bring that up? It sounded that. like it. It triggered something in my mind. Yeah. I uh, I'm Rob. Did you get much uh, you know feedback from that? Uh-huh, I did. I got I got a long rambling email from the Aussie guy who sparked that whole thing. He was delighted by what he heard. I don't think any I don't think anybody else was, but he certainly liked no, I it. I got feedback in Australia from that. you. Did. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, what were you idiots doing? Uh, my just talk Rob. Beer. I'm the head sellerman and quality coordinator. I've been at the Rare Barrel, yeah, just over a year and a half, and I guess we're coming up on two years uh, towards October, but uh, we're uh, excited about our quality program and kind of what we're doing with that, with our quality specialist who hasn't made it into the show yet, but uh, yeah, John's been doing uh, great great work, and I've been working with him closely with the yeast, and uh, one thing we're working on is a sour adaptation uh, in the laboratory with our bottling yeast, so it's basically we're trying to genetically change this yeast uh to be adapted to sour ph so um right now we go through a tempering process and you know introduce the yeast into sour ph for bottling but we're, we're actually trying to genetically change the yeast in the laboratory to account for that so we can just prop and prop and go this is the dr matt bachman procedure sort of the, like the, the tempering part is permanent solution to that Seems cutting edge. That's cool. Oh yeah. Where, where where are you at on it? Like, you know, progress wise. Uh yeah, you know, it just we're just growing it in this uh, super acidic media and just like you know these uh, extremes that we face because that's you know we're trying to protect the beer against you know the yeast against the beer uh, for packaging at this time. So uh, we're just essentially feeding it um, and growing it in these uh, conditions, and the yeast will you know can genetically change itself over time. So you know we're uh, many generations in at this point, so we're expecting to see something, hopefully, in uh, its growth and its uh, survivability. Cool. Definitely one of the topics we'll dive into today. 
And with that, I think we should take a break. Let's do it. So we can pop some beers. Indeed. All right. Uh, with that, we'll be right back. What was that, guys? You right? <laughs> we'll be right back with the Rare Barrel on the Sour Hour. This is Chad from Crooked Stave, and you're listening to the Sour Power Hour on the Brewing Network. And if you didn't know, it's now called the Sour Power Hour. Would <laughs> you like that? We're going to have to rename the show. All right. We're back. Saying that more for the people in the studio. <laughs> it's the Sour Hour. We've got the Rare Barrel crew in the house. We're going to taste some beer, answer some questions. Have some fun. So, first one we have open here is called Just for Funk, right? Yes, yes the one. Just for Funk. And I'm going to nominate Tommy to talk about this beer sure. first. Uh, so, Just for Funk is our golden sour beer aged with Fajal? Uh, Fajoa? Fajal? I don't really know how to pronounce it. Spell it. Uh, F-E-I-J-O-A. Yeah, Fajui. Fucking nailed it, yeah. Um, But it's a pretty unique fruit from Southern California. I think it came from South America initially. But is it like like pineapple guava? Is that the same? Yeah, they call it pineapple guava, but it's also super um, menthol-y as well. There's this weird like herbal characteristic to it. I don't know. Everyone has their own weird take on this particular beer, but so I've never. I mean, I've never heard of this fruit or seen it in a beer. Have Have any of you? Uh, I think there's a couple places in Southern California that may have used it. I know. Celador has made a beer with it, okay. um, but other than that, there aren't that many people that have used this, if I'm not mistaken. A cellar maker with tired hands did an IPA with one. Okay. <laughs> and you can kind of, yeah, you can smell that menthol-y, spearmint-y thing that it's got going on. Super interesting. Yeah, this is basically a direct translation of the fruit, like even mm. the acid level, even the aroma. Um, for some reason, this is like the most uh, the most fruit character we've ever gotten from anything, but at the same time, I don't <laughs> think we used that much for this particular project. Like... Most of our shit is in like the four plus pounds per gallon range at this point, but this was not that high, but it still has the best expression. So what do you guys think is the best way? Because I always think like, well, if I'm hearing this and I have a brewery and I'm like, well, yeah, I love making apricot sours as much as the next guy, but man, I want to make stuff with a fruit no one's ever heard of. Well, what is the approach for that? Honestly, sourcing is the hardest part. Um, like the the volumes that we need for our fruiting rates is kind of the most difficult thing we need to deal with. Um, so that's probably the first hurdle to overcome, but... Honestly, if it tastes cool and unique, I think it draws people into it anyway. So as long as it tastes good, I think that's all that really matters. I think so too. For home brewers as well, going to you know kind of different type of grocery stores, you know, like more international, will give you you know new fruits to use and try. And sourcing is a lot easier on a smaller scale. For us, it gets a little more difficult because we have to use so much. But yeah, as Tommy said, we didn't use that much of this fruit. Scott, you asked if we had ever seen this before. I'm pretty sure after we got this in that. There, this tree was in my backyard growing up. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. It, it's cra- it's like um, it's almost like winter green, like a sweet mint. It's really wild. Remember the so it looks like a green oval pod with like a little flower on it, and we used to just throw these at each other when we were kids. <laughs> oh, totally. is that really? Yeah, hundred percent. Oh, no kidding. I was like, oh my god. I asked my dad about it, and he was like, yeah, that's definitely what we had. Wow. But yeah, it's pretty pretty unique and interesting. Yeah, even though this beer is called just for funk, I think most of the funk does come from the unique aspect of the fruit rather than the base beer. Is this fruit acidic? Like, how does it taste on its own? 
It's kind of oddly custardy, if anything. Um, like I think people eat this the same way that a lot of people eat kiwi, where they like cut it in half and scoop it out, kind of thing. Um, so there's that weird like um, textural thing that you don't really get from the beer. Hmm. Um, but it smells like menthol, tastes like pineapple, and has a weird creamy texture to it. So it's not very appealing, obviously, on the radio. But if you try it, I'm sure you'll <laughs> love it. <laughs> Pretty weird, right? Yeah, I just—I don't know how even to describe it. Strange. It's strange. Yeah, it's wonderful and interesting. All right, so let's do some questions, and I want to mention that all the questions on the show are brought to you by Doctor Lambic and his team at thesourbeerblog.com. Check out the articles on Sour Beer Blog for great written resource devoted to teaching you how to brew and blend sour beer at home. And now the Sour Beer Blog crew is opening up a new brewery. In fact, it's open. And it's a tap room in central Pennsylvania. Check them out. Mellow Mink Brewing at mellowmink.com. And I think we have some of those beers to open at some point during the show as well, don't we, Scott? Yeah. The, let's, um, before we do the next uh, Rare Barrel beer, maybe you want to sneak that in there? Maybe sure. for the next one? Yeah, that's no problem. Okay. Do you have a question? I have some questions here, too, that I pulled off of uh, a post I did on Milk of the Farm. I do have some, but yeah, let's th- throw one from your sheet there. So anyone can jump in on this, especially you, Miller. <laughs> Jason Mantello or Mantello asks, "Do you Sorry. have any experience reusing fruit that you can share? Reusing fruit in our beer? Uh, yeah, I guess I'll go. Um, we repurpose a decent amount of fruit. Um, we've kind of strayed away from it a tiny bit, just because the second use fruit tends to not have the obviously the sugar content that we're looking for from the fruit. Uh, all that really gets left behind is a lot of the the bitterness, the tannins, uh, the acid. Um, so certain fruits like like uh, apricot recently, I think we were tasting, and it was fairly bitter, uh, astringent, and unappealing. So I don't really know if we'd want to repurpose that as a second use fruit. Did you know it was that way because you tasted the spent fruit and then decided not to add beer, or you made a beer and then that beer was a little more astringent? A little bit of both. I think we've done second use apricot before, and they just aren't quite as... Um, Appealing the second time around, but uh, most recently we did just pull some fruit off the bottom of a, a conical and put it in our mouths and was like, this You're isn't... welcome, Tommy. Yeah, thanks, Brandon. It wasn't the best thing I've had in my mouth. Yeah. What, what is, is there a you- follow up question? <laughs> is there a purpose other than just saving, like, why, why would you second use? If it tastes good, you know. You, you know, I think with the these fools in the back say a lot when they're dumping things it's like there goes the flavor you know like there's a lot of hops or fruit going down the drain and it's just like what rachel what rachel yeah, hates rachel. flavor so i do hate flavor yeah. why why i'm the official flavor waster do you wish she, she throws a lot of fruit down the drain for sure but i mean for good purpose it tastes like shit the second time around most often so like with the wet hops, we noticed after the they were emptied, the barrels, they mm-hmm. developed like a pininess that wasn't there originally. And so if we had second use that, it probably would have made it an interesting beer. Yeah, it definitely depends on the ingredient itself. I think um, stone fruit just has a little bit more punch with all the sugar, really. Maybe wet hops is something that we'll repurpose for a second time this year. We've done a lot of second use grape beers before. And I brought one today. It's going to be Blurred SB, which is also dried hop, dry hopped, dried hop, dry hopped. <laughs> <laughs> Now, is that, is, that yeah. something, is, 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 is that something where you, you, when you do a second use, you add fresh also, or you're just only using the spent stuff? Really, probably just only using the spent stuff. We have done combinations in the past, like years and years ago, which I think worked well. But um, yeah, it's just fainter. You got to make sure it isn't astringent. But 
yeah, go to go to your you know kind of taste threshold on that one would be yeah. our advice. Hmm. Seems like I have one more that's kind of on that topic. Actually, you know what? I'll, I'll just say that for when we open that bottle. Okay. So. How about so here? How about I'll go here from uh, sure. from Jordan Folks. Could you guys talk about? I'm gonna str- assign this answer to Brandon. Okay, just yeah, this is for Brandon from Jordan Folks. Could you, Brandon, please talk about strategies for dry hopping fruited sours? That's what uh, I was going to use. Oh, is it? Uh, are you serious? Yeah. I have a different document than you do. Or do you have the old one as well? That's the old one? Yeah. Oh, this he asked it for a second can. time. Are, that was really the one we were going to ask? Yeah. Wow, mm-hmm. there's like dozens of questions here. That's crazy. Whoops. Right. Cut that out. Sorry, all right. Well, we can <laughs> okay. move, move on. I don't need this to question. This question will be for Brandon. Yeah. <laughs> sure, I could, I could answer that question. No, we're going to wait till we have that beer <laughs> Okay. Out. And then you can answer that. Okay. You have another one on your sheet there? Sure. All right. This one's for Brandon. <laughs> Best route to take with brewery-related education. How do you educate yourself if you want to either get into brewing or you work at a brewery? If you work at a brewery, personally myself, uh, this started back about almost three years ago. I had worked at Trumer uh, before the Rare Barrel, and there they offered a. Uh, they were part of what was called the Master Brewers uh, of America Association, and I'm still a member of that. I find it very educational. If you sign up, talk with the the owner of the brewery, maybe they might be able to help fund the registration for it it's about a hundred and fifty dollars um it's all throughout america there's different districts so i'm part of the uh, northern california district and they get together about twice a year and once a year they'll get together with the southern california and do a norcal socal two-day meeting and there they bring in experts from hop farms to bigger breweries and they cover all sorts of topics about quality, hop utilization, wart production, but there's just a lot of helpful information uh, through those talks, and if you can't attend the talks, just through the forums themselves, that's a great path. Uh, I know we kind of, at the Rare Barrel, kind of stand behind the Brewers Association a lot. Uh, That's another uh, phenomenal organization for, like, small craft brewers. Uh, I personally haven't kind of spent a whole lot of time on that website, but I know... Here and there with certain questions, I'll pop on there and uh, kind of check out the forums, and there's a lot of u- useful information. Uh, but through those organizations, you can also find uh, further education, like scholarships and things like that, to do like uh, brewing and malting science, to packaging, to engineering courses for up to like two weeks. And they cover a whole wide, wide range of topics and go in depth with it. I also kind of... Yeah, why don't you touch on your Yakima trip? Uh, oh, when did you go up to Yakima? Uh, not yet. Uh, we'll be in a couple weeks. Oh. Uh, so I've I probably found out about this about like four years ago. Uh, this is the first year in which uh, it's... So Yakima Hop Union, uh, they do kind of like a... I think this is a four-day uh, kind of course in which uh, usually it's... They separate commercial brewers from home brewers, and so every other year it's for commercial brewers. Uh, but this year, I think, is year 15 of them doing what they call the Hop and Brew School, and it's going to be both commercial and home brewers attending. So it doesn't matter uh, if you're a home brewer or a commercial brewer, you can attend this. And it's about a, about a four-day or five-day uh, kind of school, and so it starts with the Hop Farm. Uh, you, they 
go through kind of the process of uh, starting the farm to the the actual production and processing of the hop, and you get to meet the farmers, uh, kind of mingle with other brewers that are up there. It goes through hop selection. Uh, it's going to be a, a pretty fun time. I just want to say, too, for a, a, a further dive and uh, an audio form of what you're talking about, those guys are doing a show on the network. Hop and Brew School has been airing, what has it been, Be like a few months now, six months? Maybe, maybe yeah, not about even six, six months. Six months? The Brewing Network will, all, will also be at Hop and Brew School recording and, I believe, streaming Boom. what's going on. Right on. And I went on that show one time. Oh, and yeah, that's Vin, right. Vinny was on and the show, too. Vinny Jolurso also guested. Yeah, yeah that was good a fun times. time. Yep. So that was great. Good rundown, Brandon. Maybe uh, Rob and Rachel, you guys could talk a little bit about your experience at UC Davis. You both can, both of you each, individually. Yeah, great. Uh, brewing programs, a uh, way to get into the industry is, yeah, you know, through education. And so, yeah, we've come through UC Davis, uh, the Master Brewers prog- Program with Michael Lewis and Charlie Bamforth. I know Bamforth is stepped out and i believe well now lewis has as well i think Bamford's um, there this year is he there he's this year yeah is it like an every other year retirement kind of thing um or? i think no one can fill his shoes so it's hard right. to find a replacement he's a unique personality dr yeah. bamforth he's been on uh the session many times yeah his first show must have been like 12 years ago yeah. you know i think he was on in like what 2008 I think it was garage status yeah yeah <laughs> bamforth is the man forth <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean uh, those those are top minds. Yeah, in brewing science, and so you're you're exposed to all of that. You know, uh, engineering, brewery engineering, food science related things. You know, and packaging, and they they basically set you up to to succeed with when the, within the industry wherever you may end up at what skill. Well, I know my 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 pops always used to talk about the business school experience he had at UCLA being of moderate value, but the true value was like, oh, the bulletin board outside the classroom for like, and then his internship, and that led to his career. So, of course, the connections you make are huge, too. Sure, yeah. I mean, it's all they're all about connections, and you're really, you're training to apply for a job in the industry and, and to get that job. Yeah. So, I mean, and we, you know, they also say you have to train to take the, to sit the IBD exam very difficult and you know it's it's changed a lot but um you know mostly it's it's uh, preparing yourself to to get a job in the industry that's the institute of brewing and distilling institute of brewing and distilling in uh, london yeah, they're based in london you sit the exams you can sit all over the world i think about 500 people sit the exams per year and they send it out all over the world to be to be graded very difficult exam in um yeah malting and brewing science packaging and engineering cool rachel what was your experience um pretty much what rob touched on i think it's interesting moving from that program to a sour brewery because that sort of breaks literally every rule that you learn not to do in that program yeah you guys did a good job Um, and so it's uh it's very useful especially with the connections and like thinking critically about the ingredients that you're using and process wise um but also i think Learning to think as a brewer, like on your own, and not sort of sticking to these rules that they teach you, is of value as well. Was there minimal like mixed fermentation ed- education? Yeah, I mean, they're sort of like anti-haze, um, sort of like old school uh, brewing, um, and sort. Uh, I, I know Bamforth has like a lab through um, Anheuser Busch, and so sort of keeping up with um, minimizing loss and sort of being as efficient as a brewer as you can, which I don't think is, like, across the board for every brewery. Yeah, brewery education is important, but I think at the same time you need to mix it with practical experience, whether it's home brewing or 
at a professional brewery because yeah, you can't get it's not a one stop shop out there. Let's uh, let's do another question while we have uh, Doctor Lambic's beer in our glass since he's bringing us questions. Yeah, and we just poured this uh, this wonderful. By the way, thanks, Doctor Lambic. He he sent us these unannounced. We have the barrel-aged estate saison in our glasses now. It's really wonderful. A beer decoupage style blend of Chardonnay barrel-aged farmhouse saison and Cabernet barrel-aged golden sour. And the man, the the branding is great too. I, I think these are the first because he he hand bottled the first professional stuff. Yeah, yeah I believe this good. is the first like pro- official release we have. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's all awesome. saison. That's pretty cool. Looks great. So Dr. Limbic and Melamink bring you this question from Thurston Darcy. Love the show, yada, yada. What are the effects of using small barrels for souring, i.e. like 20 to 100 liter? Is the surface area too large to have good results? Is the time frame you have to keep it in the barrel too short before spoilage occurs to gain good flavors, etc.? Tell Scott with one T. I said hi. Hi. Anybody have any thoughts on this? Uh, so from what I've, what I've heard about smaller barrels is, uh, one, you kind of get a tipper typical more oak extraction or character uh, out of the beer a little quicker and they breathe a lot more than uh, when you start sizing up. Yep. I think that's right. Yeah, I I think um, with larger format stuff you get a slower rate of evaporation so your contact time with the oak is a little bit more consistent, I guess, over the course of years. So if you're going to be aging something in a smaller format thing, just don't expect it to be great for four to five years. It'll probably need to be moved a lot sooner. Yep. And I think we did a whole show on this topic with yes. James Shamus, if I recall That's correctly. That's right, yeah. Good Small barrel aging, something like that. He did a whole presentation on it, yeah. so he came on and answered some questions on that. It's a question we get quite often. So, yeah, you just need to do a little research and know that your timeline might be quite different. One thing I'll just say that I might have said before is if you have the space for a normal-sized barrel, you might as well just do that. Um, I know it's a lot of work to fill it as a home brewer, but small barrels can be like actually a lot more expensive than just a normal oak barrel, so because they're much rarer. All right, let's get you a break. Let's get these guys all some more beer. Yeah, well, yeah, we they, we have to induce the meltdown somehow. We'll have you know? to get back to Miller right after this. So this is a sour hour on the Brewing Network. C'est Jean de la Brasserie Cantillon. Vous écoutez The Sour Horror on Brewing Wet. <laughs> One more time. Hey, c'est Jean de la Brasserie Cantillon. Vous écoutez The Sour Horror on Brewing Network. Rachel's old boss. <laughs> Wait, for what? Oh, I interned at Cantillon. Whoa. It's <laughs> a humble brag. Yeah. <laughs> Just drag it out of her, though. So not that humble of a brag. Not really bragging. <laughs> wow. All right, we're back. Sour Hour. Uh, we have another Rare Barrel beer open here. One of my favorites, Flower to Flower. For this beer, let's go to Greg to talk about it. Tell us how we made this one, Greg. Who made it? How did- <laughs> Pretty sure we did. That's correct. All right. Next. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Moving along. <laughs> yeah, so this this beer, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a way hopped uh, with Chinook and... Centennial, if I'm not mistaken. Cascade. Cascade. Got um, it. So just from just from the nose, I get a lot of really dank, nice um, wet hop character. I've yet to try it. 
Here we go. He's, 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 he's raising the glass to the glass. Yeah. And now he has officially tried it. That is delightful. <laughs> Let me tell you. Uh, yeah. It's very good. So, yes, really nice tart finish, um, balanced with the, some hop bitterness as well. Really nice, like piney Northwest hop character. Super refreshing. It's not obviously wet hops, at least not, not to my palate. Were you trying yeah, to? It's entirely liquid. <laughs> Whoa. Water is the essence of wetness. <laughs> <laughs> and wetness is the essence of what is it? Water? I don't know. <laughs> Now you're going to look up Zoolander. No, I'm not. I'm absolutely not. Yeah. Uh, Tommy, tell us about where we got the hops from. Sure. These hops came from uh, Akiyama Hop Farm down in uh, Aptos, Capitola. Sorry, Sam. I totally fucking forgot where you're from, but um, (laughs) thank you for the hops. Um, Yeah, so we got, like, I think 500 pounds each of wet Chinook and wet Cascade from them. We didn't really know what to fucking do with them, so we kind of did a bunch of different treatments. Uh, For this particular beer, I think we did... Like ninety pounds. Whoa, oh, Scott! <laughs> like uh, Scott ninety pounds per oak barrel, and let it sit in the oak for somewhere around four to five months with uh, freshly aged mixed culture saison. And I'm hearing myself again. <laughs> That's what it was. It was beauty. <laughs> Wetness is the essence of beauty. Is that what acid's like? It sounds kind of fun, actually. Um, yeah. So half of it was with. Aged or wet hops in oak barrels aged for five months. The other half was we had fresh fermented, I think it was DuPont back then, and we recirculated it through like maybe three, four hundred pounds of wet hops in our torpedo, and then we sent it to oak. So one was long contact time on the the vegetal matter, one was not, and together. And they're both both in this beer. They're both in this beer, yeah. Um, So I think, if I recall, the one that we recirced had a little bit less hop character, but it wasn't as gross cabbage kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, the ones that sat on the hops for a long time did develop a little bit of that vegetal cabbage thing that people worry about, but there was a shit ton of, like, cool bubble gum kind of stuff going on, too. Yeah. What was a long time? It sat on there for a long time, meaning? Uh, four to six months, okay. I want to say, at least. Yeah, I think this this beer's really cool. It's got, it showcases a lot of really intriguing aromas. I, I should, you know, Tommy said we got the wet hops and didn't know what to do with them. I would, I would push back on that because we just copied exactly what east of eden did oh yeah essentially thank you andrew because we just had that we had that beer on uh sour hour and it was so good and we were just it had come up uh in the back hey should we get wet hops this year i was like yes let's make the east of eden beer and then we just asked them how they made it and then we did this (laughs) which was a little it was different for sure and i think we got it from a different place but it's the same place it's a different place, so <laughs> different part of the uh, the farm. So cool. party wave day from Alvarado Street Brewery. <laughs> cool. Anything else on flower flower guys? I think it has a really nice uh, bread expression as well I compared agree. to some of our other brands. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the mixed culture. I think the mixed culture comes through in it as well, kind of uh, preemptively before the kind of what how character that you get. Speak closer. In the finish. There you go. The. Uh, the mixed culture is uh, apparent, preemptively. He meant like your, your he meant your words should be closer together, <laughs> less speak closer pauses in between your words. <laughs> All right, All right. you're good. All right, okay. <laughs> another question, maybe. Sure, you go. You you or me? You go. All right. 
I don't remember. This one's going to Rob because he did so well last time. I don't remember if you inoculate the yeast and bugs at the same time. I'm wondering if you would modify the wort pH before inoculating non-saccharomyces bugs. Thanks. From Johan Renner Ruli. That's an interesting question. I, I mean, if you think about our process, you know, we kind of uh, stick to a prime, a clean primary with, uh, you know, different saison, Saccharomyces strains. Put it to barrel and kind of look for our acidity at that point. I mean, I don't think we're adjusting. I mean, well, A, we don't control our own hot side, and we're not adjusting pH uh, based on certain brews. I mean, our pH stays the same for our golden base, which is basically what we bring in to adjust kind of in, in our own in-house through our mixed fermentation. And But that, that kind of stuff happens at barreling. And everything basically in primary is going to be, you know, mostly clean at this point. Sometimes, yeah, we'll, we will introduce bread or different organisms if we, if we think are necessary. But I would say most of that's happening at a later date once attenuation has reached a certain level and we, we're basically going to barrels. Yep, I think that's right. We we do a lot of our we do a lot of Saccharomyces only in primary fermentation. No wort pH adjustment. Um, you know, he's asking if we did you know do non what he, what he calls non Saccharomyces bugs. I think colloquially at the rare barrel bugs aren't really like we don't refer to that necessarily as yeast. I don't know what you guys think, but like that to me that kind of I think of that I think of bacteria more than like Brett. So we don't do any uh, pH adjustments, and Rob's right. Like when we're when it's usually seeing these kind of cultures, it's when it hits a barrel. So you know, then it's down to regular beer, regular beer uh, post primary fermentation pH. So somewhere in the four to four or five range. Any other thoughts on that? No. Good. Here's a question from Tony Menzel. Tony says, "Should I be worried about adding?" pureed fruit as in uh i just cut up this fruit and pureed it in my blender should i be worried about adding that to my mixed culture beer he said it's got sack bread pdo lacto etc the possibility that it might add too much oxygen that's a tommy question uh no we puree the shit out of all of our fruit before we use it i think that's the best way to get the extraction you want from the fruit especially at the volume that we buy it at we want to make sure we maximize the amount of flavor we get from it so pureeing seems like the best way to increase your surface area ratio or whatever and oxygen is a non-issue it's going to go through re-fermentation anyway so oxygen is not a problem uh yeah but we also we pump in with i'm blanking on the name of the pump oh oh yeah we have a positive positive. displacement pump yeah that does mitigate a little bit of the the, the oxygen ingress, I guess. Um, when we're whipping it around with a stick blender, you're going to get a shit ton of oxygenation from that, though. Um, we're generally pitching like 5% fresh beer or krausening our fruit refermentations as well. So that's generally going to eat up all the uh, the oxygen issues that you might have to be dealing with. Yep. Any other thoughts? No. Good. You guys are doing great. <laughs> Here's a question from Ray Patton. What, if any, methods would you recommend for achieving low levels of earthy funk? He says, like, for example, Hill Farmstead seems to have mastered this. I would assume that a completed clean fermentation followed by a funky Brett strain to chew through the very minimal residual sugars. But is there any other way to rein in your Brett without letting it run wild? Yeah, Miller, you want to take this one? Yeah, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. 
Yeah. You want to keep going? Me? Yeah. It would be funny if she had like a, a like a brilliant answer for this question. Mm-hmm. Asked the social media one. She's like, yeah, I don't know. Like the Adam Sandler from uh, what's the movie where he answers? Oh, the um, not uh, yeah. The first the first movie he Billy ever did, Billy Madison. Yes, yeah, that'd be good. Uh, Rachel, you want to take this one? No. <laughs> cool. You have to pay um, for all of your beer. You could just text Jean, your old homie Jean Valois, and see if he wants to answer it. Yeah, I mean, how do you vein, how do you make like, Brett? That's the thing. Like. I don't. I think it's just a house culture thing, right? Like, whatever develops in you. Like, like Hill Farms and Beer is very distinct because the cultures that exist in that brewery are unique to that place. And like each brewery, you can tell like, oh, this tastes like that comes from that place. And I think that they've managed to like cultivate sort of um, house culture that is unique. But in terms, of, I guess you could propagate from like those drags and sort of like make it at home. But I don't know exactly like how you would replicate that otherwise. Yeah, for sure. I mean, what he's asking is basically, if you're trying to get a tropical fruit bread expression, then just pick the bread strains that give you tropical fruit bread expression. I mean, not every bread is going to give you the weird horse blanket thing that people associate with bread. Yeah, I think Hill Farmstead might have a killer wine yeast in their culture, in their mixed culture, in their bottles. So not sure if that's going to work out, but if you find another brewery with beer that you like, that'll work. But I think this he was asking for he was asking for earthy or not for not earthy. He he was looking for low levels of earthy funk and he also wanted, you know, like any tips on, you know, reigning in Brett without letting it run wild. Mm, I think we we've seen like the other problem where our beers don't get that Brett for it. But then there's other breweries maybe towards Rachel's point, there's other breweries that might have that more of that problem where it's it's too Brett Ford. Blending can always come into that and blending yeah. can be Blending yeast and bacteria on the front end when you're inoculating or primary fermenting or blending the beer after the fact. Rob, you have something else on that? No, yeah, I was going to disagree with that kind of statement. You know, it kind of depends on what, at what point you're adding your bread addition and, you know, what you're giving it to work with, you know, and how much, how much sugar you're going to give the bread to express itself. So, you know, it's at what point do you want that bread to start, to start that process is, is up to the brewer. Okay, cool. How are we on time, Scott? We're doing all right. Let's do uh, one more before we do a show break here. Cool. Let's do J.M. Hammond's question. I need advice about doing Solera projects in a barrel. And is there any advice on when to repitch with the original yeast and bacteria blend? So I'm a little confused because the point of the Solera is that the original yeast and bacteria blend is always in there. Right. So... I'm going to try and meet him a little more than halfway on this and think that he's he's talking about like a lab he's starting with like a lab pitch and at some point he wants to like restart with that. Let's say he views each Solera refill as like a new generation of that and he's going to want to you know repitch it at gen 4 or 5 or something. That's just a random example. Yeah, once you see it start to increase in acidity and the gravity finishes higher um, or you just don't like the flavor as much, that's probably a good time. It's good time. It's a good thing to bottle those beers along the way. You can always grow up from whatever, you know, refill number or let's just call it a generation along the way. So, you know, you fill the barrel first and you like that, then you do a Solera refill and then that's number two and you like that. You like number three, and then maybe four or five start to get away from you. So I would just prop up from your bottles 
uh, from number one or two or whatever you like the best and then reuse that. Does that sound like a good answer, you guys? You guys need to slam some like <laughs> underberg shots. Where's the plainy? I'm working also, way like, too hard. It's not getting sour enough. Hold on, get the mic. Yeah, Mike, yeah. please. It's getting too sour, so you want to start over and then kind of back off the acidity, you know, really clean out your, say, if you're Solera, I mean, you're basically, I would assume, in a, like a kind of a fooder environment, so you're in a larger volume than you normally would be. At what point do you start over and you reset that culture? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can use less of the culture also, or less, you can do less in a Solera, so leave behind less liquid and add more fresh liquid if you want it to be less sour. So, just some general suggestions. All right. Cool. So, uh, coffee shots. Yes. And caffeine and Pliny. (laughs) Caffeine and Pliny. All right. Thanks to uh, me and Scott, the people who showed up for this for show. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. I said a lot of words this time. Yeah, you did. Tommy, 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 Tommy brought Tommy it. did well. Uh, thanks to Devo. <laughs> thanks, Pete. Cool. Oh, there. Big thanks to Miller. Yes. Number one overall. I don't Anything know. No? She has no idea. Sponsors, listeners, thank you. Until next time, stay sour. We're uh, excited about our quality program.